Okay, so KFC, this is uh, July 12th, 2023. This is just Shanghai, so I want you guys to make sure your ears are listening right. KFC China celebrates its 500th store in Shanghai. So that's one city, 500 KFCs. Mm. China is much more than just Shanghai, so I don't know how many thousands and it's probably more than thousands. It might even be tens of thousands of Starbucks or sorry, KFC. KFC is huge for those of you who don't know. In China, KFC is the Western brand, more than McDonald's, far more than McDonald's. There are like at least two or three KFCs to every McDonald's in China. Everywhere you go, you find KFC. You go to a train station, there's going to be a KFC. You go to an airport, there's going to be a KFC. You go to a mall. Yeah. Oh, well, a mall's going to have like three Starbucks and two McDonald's and whatever. Exactly. All next to each other. (laughs) Well, I got to say, you know, for uh, Modesto, California, where I'm originally from, there's a mall. It's like, I don't know, 10% the size of any Beijing mall. And, 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 you know, you have the same thing in San Francisco, the, the, the biggest mall in San San Francisco is probably 20% the size of a typical mall in China. Mm. So when we're talking about malls, we're talking about 10 story buildings with like 20 escalators in them and several elevator services <laughs> that have two or three Starbucks and more than one McDonald's, several, you know, several floors for restaurants and a, a full movie theater with an IMAX yeah. and like shop shopping on several floors that of basically and sometimes there's like a grocery store, a decathlon or whatever in the basement. So, I mean, a mall in China is like a city, a small yeah. city in America. <laughs> Welcome to The Bridge. Fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Welcome to The Bridge. We are a show which connects East and West. My name is Jason, and today with me is Alex Schur. Hello, everybody. This is Alex. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. Hi, everyone. Uh, from Taco Bell, Burger King, McDonald's, KFC, Pizza Hut, Dairy Queen, Starbucks, Papa John's, Domino's, Subway, Woo-hoo! Costa Coffee, and more, <laughs> U.S. and Western brands are rapidly growing in China. Now, for those of you who thought uh, Costa belongs to England, sorry, Coca-Cola bought it. Popeye's is <laughs> eyeing the growing Chinese middle class with the announcement of 1,700 new stores in the works over the coming years. In China's half-billion-person growing middle class, I heard heard it's 480 million specifically, is it finally mm. starting to catch the attention of big food? What do you think, Alex? I think finally is not the best word to use here. <laughs> I feel like with all of these names that we've given just now, and you're saying it's just starting to catch the attention right. of big food, there's actually, like, I remember, I think we, we talked about this story a long time ago. I remember when uh, McDonald's and, and KFC first opened in China. That mm, was like in mm, the 90s. Yeah, that's right. Actually, I saw the picture of the first McDonald's opening in China, and there's like all these people standing in line to see, hey, what is this yeah. thing? And maybe be, be able to tell people the story of their visiting the first McDonald's. And that was decades and decades like three ago. Three decades ago, when I was a yeah, Starbucks has, I think, 6,500 <laughs> stores with plans to open 6,000 more. So, you know, really what I wanted to highlight with this is there are a lot of people who read some media, Wall Street Journal, uh, Bloomberg. They have all of these, oh, no, China's economy stories is slowing down. Firstly, I want to point out a couple of things that are 
the word slowing down, I think, is confusing to people. Yeah. Most people don't understand economics. And when they hear slowing down, they think going down. They're hitting. Yeah, they're hitting a depression. They're going to no. when they say slowing down, they mean China's economy used to grow by six percent a year. And now it's which is an insane number, which is insane number. Yeah. But now it's growing at five point two percent, which is roughly two and a half times as fast as the U.S. economy is growing. So even though they're saying, oh, no, China's economy is slowing down, it's still outpacing the U.S. growth by two and a half times per year. It's and comparing the, with, with itself. And also there's another way of looking at this. I got this from a gentleman named Jerry mm. Gray yesterday. He said, you know, when China's economy was only $10 trillion in nominal terms, mm. when it's, they said, oh, it grew at 6 or 7%, and now it's at $18 trillion, and it's growing at exactly. 5%. It's actually growing by the same amount of money each year. It's just the economy is much larger than it used to be. Yeah, it's like how a kid grows really fast when they're little, and you can see it very, very obviously when they hit like 17 or 18. It's kind of like they're still growing a lot, but it's not as obvious as, the, as it used to be. Doesn't mean the kid is shrinking. Right. <laughs> also, <laughs> yeah. the Hilton, they're planning on opening an additional 3,000 new hotels in China over the coming 10 years. So, Oh, yeah, I saw that news. I mean, I'm looking forward to staying in really posh hotels in the future, but I know. they already have more than 1,000 hotels in China. So the fact that they're going to open up that many more is just a testament to the fact that all of big business, despite what you may be reading from like pundits who didn't make it as real economists and have to write for newspapers, the real yeah. economists <laughs> who work for big companies, they're pouring into China. They're like, okay, look, mm. think about this. The United States entire population is about 340 million people. That's the entire population. Now, maybe 45% of those people are qualify as middle class, roughly. So that means in mm. the US, you have 150 to 175 million people who are middle class people. No, that's a huge market. That's why America from West Coast to East Coast is covered with every kind of brand you can think of. Yeah. China has 480 million people in its middle class. That's more than the population mm. of the United States. So that's why companies are. <laughs> Pouring the people who know are investing in China. The people who know are coming here to sell products to Chinese people. And then if you open the Wall Street Journal, you're going to be confused because they're not telling you how it really is. Yeah. And I think that's a really good point. Um, like a very, pe uh, sorry, it's a very important piece of information to kind of change how people look at China, especially for people who don't know that much about China. Everything that they have learned is, you know, this natural disaster, that whatever news. Mm -hmm. But if you just give them that number and tell them that this is the amount of people that are in the middle class bracket and they'll be like, oh, I'm sure they can understand that a lot of these things that we try to tell them have to happen because of the vast number of people that are in the middle class bracket. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, as just a, an American, I get spoiled and sometimes I do want Western food, uh, probably more often than I, I like to admit. <laughs> so I go to a lot of these establishments and there's no shortage. If I, I can open my app on my phone, which is called Alama. That's the one I use. There's more than one. Are you hungry? That's the translation of right, the exactly. app. I love Al it. Alama. Well, I mean, it's actually spelled E-M-E -E instead of M-A, but yeah, I get the idea. Um, anyways, <laughs> if I open it, the first thing it tells me is like, there's a McDonald's nearby. But like, you know, I can, I'm literally scrolling through it right now. I see uh, KFC, uh, Japanese brand 7-Eleven, a bunch of Chinese mm. brands, Burger King, you know, the, I, Pizza Hut, Domino's. This is all Subway, another Burger King. So, yeah. like, I, I get Dairy Queen maybe too often. 
Also, uh, <laughs> maybe a couple times a, a month. Usually my wife uh, furls her brow at me when I do. But <laughs> I can get pretty much anything that I want like back home in the States here because they're everywhere. If, for example, I travel a lot. Mm. I was just in three different cities in Dongbei a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And everywhere I went, I opened a Lama, same thing, same brands, you know, lots of KFC, lots of, you know, Pizza Hut, lots of Domino's, lots of everything, you know, Burger King. They're everywhere. They're, and, they're, and this is just the beginning. These places, they, they're going to branch out to even smaller and smaller yeah. towns. Now, in China, we have a tier system we use. First tier means really big, advanced city. And then you get down to the fourth and the fifth yeah. tiers, and you're talking about China's towns, which only have like a million people in them. <laughs> <laughs> All those towns are going to be full of these same brands very, very soon, in the next five to ten years. So people, even Subway, I, I can't remember the exact number, but it was a couple thousand more stores that Subway's plant. So Popeyes and Subways are going to head to head. Although I think Popeyes' competition is KFC because chicken. Yeah. But even they don't. If, there's a ton of KFC. I would like to say knockoff brands, local yeah, nearby. By me, yeah. Dicko's, Wallace. Yeah. So, I mean, you know. there's also just non name brands where, like, someone opened a restaurant and trying to be very much like KFC. I guess Chinese folks like chicken. I'm just going to throw that stereotype out there. We, we, <laughs> we, no, we do. That's why, you know, to be with the risk of sounding incorrect, but when I first went to the States, there are certain stereotypes I just didn't understand when I mentioned it, uh, when I mentioned how much I wanted uh, a fried chicken. They were like, well, you can't say that. I was like, why? <laughs> but we love fried chicken. Chinese people right. love fried chicken like crazy. My friend, there's a fried chicken brand here. And I didn't realize it's from uh, where I used to live in the east, very far east of Beijing. And it's very popular. My friend told me he traveled like uh, an hour just to go to the the headquarter or the, the biggest store of that wow. fried chicken place. To eat well, the fried I mean, chicken. I would do that, too. <laughs> He's willing there's to do a, that. There's apparently there's a five story. It's either four or five story Starbucks. That's like a super store in Shanghai. And next time I go to Shanghai, I'll probably pop in there. So, yeah, I get I get the idea of wanting to go to one of those super out. I went to the first uh, Taco Bell, which was in Shanghai and Pudong. But now we oh, yeah. have two Taco Bells here in Beijing, at least the, the two that I know of. There's one way over in you yeah. know Richland, Liangwachau or whatever. And then there's <laughs> one over here on the west side, too. And uh, it, I can nice. probably walk there in about 30 minutes or whatever. Mm. When I have cash and Summer doesn't know, my wife, I'll, I will. <laughs> <laughs> now, he, now she knows. But you know, like McDonald's is also just like ubiquitous everywhere in the world. I was in South Korea. I was in Japan. I was in the Philippines. McDonald's is everywhere. And it's the same here too. They know a good investment. And so yeah. they invest. The Hilton is going to open 730 new hotels in China. There's the number. Mm. Oh, yeah. You're listening to The Bridge. Okay, so Popeye, this is from CNN. It is, um, I want to say, August 22nd by Michelle Toh, T-O-H. Uh, Popeye's is coming back to China in a big way. I guess they used to be here in a big way. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't remember that time. It probably didn't make a too big of a noise. But they are coming back and they are going to invest over a 10-year period. They're going to open 1,700 new stores across China. I think they'll be successful personally. That's a lot of stores. That is a lot of stores. Actually. But you know, here's the interesting thing. Even though Starbucks only has 6,500 stores with a goal of opening 6,000 more in the coming years, Luckin opened its 10,000th store uh, about a month ago. 
Wow. Yeah. So Luckin, for those of you who don't know in the West, is Chinese indigenous cafe, the big brand. There are <laughs> there are other indigenous cafes that are brand like, you know, uh, franchise, I want to say. that's I don't know if that's the right word, but, you know, they're everywhere. But Luckin is the yeah. one that's just everywhere, everywhere. And they're very competitive prices. They're about half the cost of Starbucks, I want to say. It, maybe, maybe. And the coffee's not that bad. It's pretty really. good. Yeah, actually. You know what? I went into the store a couple times. It's done a little bit differently. Some of the components that are done by people in Starbucks are done by machines. Mm. So they've partially you know, uh, use robots. So like you get like your coffee faster. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, Starbucks, you, you get it really quickly. It's within minutes, but at Luckin, it's like within a minute. It's really fast. It's really fast. And then you can uh, order on your phone before you get there. And everybody does that. And they give people like vouchers to encourage the behavior of ordering on your phone. You actually can't order in store. That's how mobile. You and can. But you have to scan the QR code and then order in your mobile. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You have to like the actual thing, action, action has to be done on your there's phone. There's no counter person. Yeah, there's someone who brings it to you, but there's no one to take your order. Yeah, they've only recently started doing like in-store sitting down space for people to drink coffee within Luckin. But majority of their stores are just for people to come yeah. in and pick it up and go. That way they have a lot more units that they can sell and without right. putting a lot of money into the very infrastructure and renting the space. Yeah, very smart business. Model. Yeah, very smart. Well, you know, I most of them you're right. There's usually like one table with three chairs, but there's one in Shuangjing that I found that is I I went I was oh, oh summer a luckin let's pop in there I want some coffee, and this was mm. I don't know a year or two ago, and so mm. we went in and I was like is this a luckin because there were like a lot of seats there was like twenty seats it was like a Starbucks so I think for yeah. I don't know aesthetics or you know two ha they have some brands occasionally that stand out and are like more like the traditional cafe where you go and pretend you're writing a novel, but you're playing video games. <laughs> Don't call me out. Don't call me out like that. Jason. Oh, really? What novel are you writing? <laughs> any, any work I do, really, I was like, I'm going to go to a coffee shop to help myself focus. <laughs> but then next thing you know, I'm looking at all the, the, like proposal fail videos and laugh. <laughs> I do that a lot too. I'll say I'm going to my work office on my day off yeah. to work on my science fiction novel, which is a true story. And I pop into my work office and, you know, I'm probably spend like six hours there to work on my novel, mm -hmm. but I actually only work on my novel for like three or four hours. The first two good. or three hours. It's yeah. I, I feel like I didn't do that bad because the first two or three hours is like Twitter and Douyin and, you know, IG and Facebook. And then, then I'm like, Oh, Okay, I guess I'm ready to write now. <laughs> In today's day and age, it's just kind of hard. Oh, I think we're going a little a little far away from the right, from right. the food topic, which I'm thoroughly enjoying. So, according to uh, CNN again, this is uh, August first, 2023. Daniel Weiner Bronner, mm. Starbucks sales in China come roaring back. Now, friend of the show, Cyrus Jansen, who people might know, he's an influencer on YouTube. Mm. He's actually one of he's an investor in Starbucks. He owns quite a few stocks. And so oh, he, he does. He does smart. Man. He was in Shanghai a month ago, and he he's a YouTuber with his own brand of uh, YouTube videos and stuff. Very mm. yeah, hundreds of thousands of followers, and he was like, "Look, this is a Starbucks," and I could tell. Oh, wait a minute, there's something different. You know, he really is into Starbucks, and so apparently yeah. later in the video he explains that he owns Starbucks, and he was encouraging people to like come back and whatever. But you know, their their sales are increasing, yeah, and so the market is coming back. And you know, there's something that people, most people. 
probably don't know this. China watchers and stuff probably know a little bit, but people, most normal people don't know this. But there's something in China called the dual circulation economy. So this is proposed, I think, two mm. years ago. And I may be wrong, maybe three years ago. This is the idea that China used to be primarily as a driving force for the growth of its economy and export-based economy. It means mm. most of the wealth that has been developed in China came from moving, making goods and moving up the uh, you know value chain and selling those goods abroad and internally to some extent. Mm. Now there's a move towards selling things with that are made in China yeah. and elsewhere to Chinese consumers. So there's a big focus on helping develop China's consumer economy to develop the economy. Because a huge, for example, a huge part of the US economy mm. is services. And so if China can replicate some of that, China can maintain its own economy, yep. despite what may be going on in other countries. I want to give a couple examples of why this matters. A lot of pundits who are trying to be economists for major Western newspapers, mm. they'll say, look, China's exports have dropped uh, in terms of like they are not growing as fast as they were last from last year yeah. in a, a particular month or two. But the thing about China's economy is as it pivots towards dual circulation and there's increasing, increasingly consumption within China's growing middle class here in China, it actually doesn't matter because the GDP is still rising as a consequence of the growing service economy, which which is accompanying the export economy. So mm. China's economy, I think I think a lot of people in the West they don't understand that China's economy is not the same as a Western economy in some ways. And so they take yeah. metrics that uh, that they use to va evaluate the U.S. economy. They try to apply them to China, and then they're confused yeah. because China's economy operates slightly differently, has very similar structure, but not entirely. For example, unemployment. A lot of people have been choosing you know, um, to look at youth unemployment as a figure to understand unemployment overall in China. Mm. But it, the healthy range for unemployment for people who don't know is about 3.5 to 5%. China's overall unemployment is 5.2% which means that it's actually mm. quite healthy. You know, it's really yeah. in the US, true, this is called a true unemployment, it's close to 27%. Even though <laughs> the US is claiming it has about 3.5% unemployment, and Biden is a huge person to come out and say that, he's trying to say, yay, look at what I've done. But the reality is people saw a lot of people have given up looking for employment, or they've only found partial employment. So they're un unemployed mm. 20 hours a week, or they've given up finding a job. And the, so the true unemployment in the United States is much higher. So I just want, I'm yeah. not trying to say the United States economy is not healthy. That's not my job. And I don't really know. But I am saying that the Chinese economy is healthy. And the people who are pointing to very specific metric. I mean, we use 50 to 100 metrics to look at an economy's health, but they all, it mm. seems like these Western pundits choose like the two metrics or so that don't show that China's economy is doing well, misinterpret that for their readers, and readers end up confused and not understanding that China's economy is actually quite healthy. I think a lot of it really comes from the lack of a very basic understanding of what China is. So even when you mentioned the concept of concept of China's economy, they're like, I'll believe whatever this person on TV says to me. Um, our, our dear friend who's American, um, he just came back from traveling. Uh, you know, he visited home. He went to other countries. And he said it just kind of, it gets a little tiring after a while when you talk to people about China. They really, really know nothing about it. And they're worried mm -hmm. about, they're worried about 
about him having like a healthy, stable living environment in China because mm-hmm. they feel like it's really in their in their mind. They think China is just some kind of like third world third world country where like it's uh, they, their son wouldn't be able to get whatever they need, whatever he needs, uh, whatever he wants. And then they're like, oh, my God, they give him all this food. He said it was so funny. They gave me all this food and they're like, <laughs> my God, you must miss all of the food from home. He's like. Uh, no, not really. <laughs> I kind of just like have like burgers and all of this kind of food all the time when I whenever I want. And his family were genuinely surprised, and it's hard for them to even just comprehend that he could get probably even more than what he can get at home. So a lot of people don't really understand. Right. Even even when we're just talking about food, like I think I told a story a million times when like my boyfriend's uh, uh little sister was like, "Oh my god, they have a Starbucks in China." <laughs> we're like, "Well, I <laughs> a I have five in my neighborhoods yes. because they don't they don't really." <laughs> No, and then the fact that there's all of these kind of like brands that you're very very familiar with that actually for me i hope it creates some sense of um familiarity when they come to china mm. and they look at this and they're like oh well at least i can get some mcdonald's you know and the mcdonald's here is so much better really than i thought it was the exactly States. the same i don't know what you're talking about oh my about. god oh you mean the chinese no, items because so i never better. ordered those things yeah well no, not just the Chinese items. For example, I've never had the spicy wings in uh, at McDonald's in the States, mm. and I'm very, very disappointed. And overall, the environment, the quality of mm. food, I think it's just, it's just, it's just better over here. <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that. I usually, when I go to McDonald's, which is rare, I usually just order the breakfast because it's like, mm. but it's a little too salty. What I found is I always get bloated, so I try to actually avoid. It is true. It is true. Delicious, but t- you know, you could reduce the amount of salt in some of your food, and it would still be. Okay. (laughs) You're listening to The Bridge. Okay, so KFC, this is uh, July 12, 2023. This is just Shanghai, so I want you guys to make sure your ears are listening right. KFC China celebrates its 500th store in Shanghai. So that's one city. 500 KFCs. Now, I mean, mm. China is much more than just Shanghai, so I don't know how many thousands and th- it's probably more than thousands. It might even be tens of thousands of Starbucks or sorry, KFC. Yeah. KFC is huge for those of you who don't know. In China, KFC is the Western brand, more than McDonald's, far more than McDonald's. There are like at least two or three KFCs to every McDonald's in China. Everywhere you go, you find KFC. You go to a train station, there's going to be a KFC. You go to an airport, there's going to be a KFC. You go to a mall. Yeah. Oh, well, a mall's going to have like three Starbucks and two McDonald's and whatever. So, exactly. All next to each other. <laughs> well, I got to say, you know, for uh, Modesto, California, where I'm originally from, there's a mall. It's like, I don't know, 10% the size of a be- any Beijing mall. And, in, in yeah. you know, you have the same thing in San Francisco. The, the, the biggest mall in San San Francisco is probably 20% the size of a typical mall in China. Mm. So when we're talking about malls, we're talking about 10-story buildings with like 20 escalators in them and several elevator services <laughs> that have two or three Starbucks and more than one McDonald's, several, you know, several floors for restaurants and a, a full movie theater with an IMAX yeah. and like shop shopping on several floors that of basically and sometimes there's like a grocery store, a decathlon or whatever in the basement. So I mean, a mall in China is like a city, a small yeah. city in America. So it's a whole different Yeah, you know, I went to Malaysia, I went to KL for my friends wedding and my other good really good friend mm. from Canada also came down here to 
to came down to Malaysia to attend the wedding. And we were just like driving by um, Kuala Lumpur. And um, she saw a mall and she was like, oh my God, this mall looks massive. I'm just thinking, I was like, just wait until you come to, just wait until you come to China. And then I'll let you decide whether that mall is massive or not. <laughs> wait until you see it. You know, here's the thing. I used to, tr- I used to be with that guy who goes to uh, Starbucks to try to write. I write in my office or at home now. I, I, I get a lot more done. Mm. But one of the things is, I used to go to Daiyuecheng on in Qingnianlu, which is a, one of the used to be like the biggest mall in, in Beijing, but now it's like number ten because there's so many new malls. Yeah, and I would go to the Starbucks on the first floor, and if it was busy, no problem, I go to the Starbucks on like the third floor. Oh, that one's busy too. Okay, I'll go to the Starbucks on the seventh. On floor. a different Yay. floor. <laughs> I found another. I found a seat. So like, it's not really that big of a deal because there's just yeah. so many of them. And all, I think they had a cost on the second floor back then. I think I haven't been over there in a while. You know, we have a new Daiyuecheng, a new Joy City Super Mall on the west side, really far out there now. Did you have you heard of it? No. Which part of the city is that, is that going to be? Okay. So firstly, there's the first Daiyuecheng, which is the first Joy City. This is just one brand, guys, who are listening. Mm. This is, so there's many different brands of malls. But yeah, this yeah, is yeah. one of those really big ones. So in Shidan, they have the first one. By the way, there's like five malls in Shidan, and they're all across yeah. the street from each other. That's really bizarre. So you're like in a mall. You're <laughs> looking out the window at three other malls There's, and they're exactly. all yeah and they're all as big as what we're talking about but yeah. that joy city is the first one and then they built the new one new one at daiyuecheng which is on line six and now there's another new one on line six way out on the west it's past Shijingshan. It's we. I have to go to the west from here, so it's towards Mengtogo. And there's another oh. one, and it's bigger than the two, the other two, or maybe maybe it's about the same size as the other two combined, because they have wow. th- two floors underground that are all shopping, and then they have like seven or eight floors above ground, and it was packed solid. That my my wife and I we saw it. From the freeway or whatever. Wow, there's a new mall. We need to go. So a week or two later, we went to see what was there. And Mm -hmm. it is mammoth. And it was so busy. And it just opened in the last few months. I'm not sure exactly when. But it was like Tuesday afternoon, 11 o'clock a.m. And there were thousands of people like just and every restaurant had a line because it was about lunchtime almost. Yeah. Every restaurant had a wait list. We eventually did find a Hong Kong restaurant because Summer loves Hong Kong. Hong food. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I like it, too. I think it's great. You know, uh, probably not too good for me. I always had that oh, sliced yes. up pork on rice. <laughs> OK, so I wanted to get back to some statistics and data. This is from Yum China Holdings, which owns you know, Pizza Hut and KFC and Taco Bell, which all are here. Taco Bell, not as widespread, but I would love to see it become more widespread. But if anyone's listening from That's Yum Jason, Brands, Jason's ultimate wish. Yum Brands, please, more Taco Bells. Okay. So the company has, <laughs> and this is just in China, 400,000 employees. That's in China with 13,000 wow. restaurants under six brands and 1,800 cities and KFC, Pizza Hut, Taco Bell. Yeah. Lavazza? What's Lavazza? Lavazza's the coffee brand. I never heard of Lavazza. It's it's new. It's up and coming. It's mostly in malls and next to office buildings. Okay. So we, we both understand and we've discussed Starbucks and Luckin. Where does Lavazza fit in there like branding? Lavazza fits right in the middle. I think it's more ex- <laughs> it's more expensive than, than Luckin for sure. Not many places can be Luckin's uh, price competitors. But when it comes to quality, um, it's it's a little more of a, a boutique. Not a boutique, but it's a little more. It's a little tiny, little tiny little bit better than, mm, than Luckin. Mm. Okay, so mm. I want to really make people understand 
what we're talking about. So I want to overwhelm people with information. We told you that, the, you know, Starbucks is going to open 6,000 new stores. The Luckin has just opened its 10,000th store. KFC is expanding with its 500th store. <laughs> what is it? Uh, Hilton is opening 730 new hotels. And uh, Popeyes is planning 1,700 new locations. On top of that, McDonald's, according to an article February 28th, McDonald's is planning 1,900 new restaurants this year. Oh so <laughs> what kind of collapsing economy has this much massive growth from every single major brand you can think of? It's not <laughs> collapsing. What you're, what, when you read a China's economy bad article, you have to do a couple things. Number one, know that it's wrong. And number two, yeah. <laughs> realize, hey, maybe this writer or this publication doesn't know what they're talking about when they talk about China because big business is coming to China in a big way. Yeah. And then again, always like we always said, talk to your friends who are here. Otherwise, you could choose to not believe the stats. But if you ask me, I'll tell you every day I'm fighting the urge to eat McDonald's too much because <laughs> it's not good for because it's so it's so easy and accessible. McDonald's also uh, I think McDonald's, KFC, and Pizza Hut were the first uh, restaurants in China that started a, kind of an overall easy ordering access when we ha still had to order by phone. That was like 2000 and, hmm, I want to say 2005 or something, where you can just call um, and then get, get the food delivered to your door. And th they were the first ones before all of these apps that came out. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nowadays, if you order them on the apps, they can get here within like 10, 15 minutes because the food is ready. And that's like super fast. So it's really tempting for me to get that all the time. Mm. It's fast, it's everywhere, and it's affordable, and it's all of that. But that's how that's how many stores there are. I yeah. want to talk about that, too, because I want to compare notes with – I've been talking to a couple of my brothers in the United States trying to keep up with the things that are going on there with Grubhub and stuff. And they're finally starting to get to where China was five years ago in terms of – they yeah. have deliveries, but it takes a while to get there. You know – America always used to have very good pizza deliveries, or I mean, for many decades. Yeah. You could get a pizza in about 30 minutes in most towns and cities in the United States of America. And now China has got basically that for everything. But now America's starting to catch up with you can get food. But in Beijing here, mm. if you order from like a fine restaurant, like, you know, upper middle class restaurant, oh, sorry, not upper, upper, yeah, upper middle class restaurant, you can get food in about 45 minutes. Or, yeah, just like, Alex is saying you can get like Starbucks, Luckin, uh, McDonald's, Burger King in like 20 minutes. So like I usually get frustrated because I'll like order my food and then try to do a chore. Yeah, that's a mistake because usually by the time I'm I, my hands are covered with soap or whatever in the in the sink, it's like someone's calling my phone. Yeah, why am I here? Is, yeah, yeah, it's like dang, I don't have enough time to do anything between the time I order and the time it arrives. It's like so fast to get here. It is, which is not always the best thing for waistlines <laughs> i uh, i completely agree and i'm but the whole time we're talking i've been thinking should i just boil some eggs uh, after we finish taping or should i just order from uh from mcdonald's and get their you know it's finally I don't, I don't know about you i don't know your plans maybe you're totally content and happy but like i've been trying to get out more now that the heat has come down and it's like just cool enough yeah. in the evening to go for a walk and not like feel like i'm being murdered by the sun so i've been doing that nightly I know. you know they say if you exercise that it reduces the probability of high mortality dramatically so i feel a lot safer these days okay i should probably do the same <laughs> this is a 2022 annual per capita disposable 
income quintile distribution. I don't want to scare people away. Okay. I'll try to wow. make this digestible. <laughs> this is from Chinabriefing.com, May 24th, 2023. So this essentially says, you know, what we're talking about when we talk about middle class. So lower middle class Ooh. is between 19,000 and uh, upper middle class is 47,000 RMB with high income being 90,000 RMB. So that's very similar to the US except that cost of living is lower. So I'm trying I'm going to try to translate this. Yeah. There are a lot of middle middle class people in China. And the reason they have okay, I'm going to there's so much information I'm trying to squeeze in here that it, Okay, firstly, Chinese people have 18 trillion dollars in savings. So among China's 1.4 billion people population, mm. there is 18 trillion dollars in savings. And Chinese people have a an average right now of 45% savings rate. Mm. And in the last year or in the last couple of years, Chinese people have saved an additional two and a half trillion dollars towards the end of COVID. So what I'm trying to say here is because the cost of living is lower in China, there's a lot more Chinese people who are cash flush. Yeah. And they don't really have debt. Like household debt is almost non-existent in China. So in the United States, about two weeks ago, Americans reached a new mm. data point that's never mm. been passed, a threshold, $1 trillion in credit card debt, with about 50 to 60% of American people having yeah. no savings whatsoever. And if there was a $500 you know, nightmare catastrophe, they would have no way of handling it, except maybe calling friends or yeah. distant relatives and stuff. So the reason why all of these businesses are pouring into China is because there's a lot of money that they're hoping to get people to spend. If they're spending 55% of their income, part of the reason for that is Chinese people tend to own their homes. With about 82% of people who own their own homes not having a mortgage, no mortgage. Mm. This is unthinkable. This is why metrics in the US don't, don't matter in China because you know the, the economy is totally different. So people are like, oh, there's a housing crisis. Yeah. What housing crisis? People who in China tend to own homes. People in China who own homes tend to not have a mortgage. And if they do, it'll be paid off in five years. Paid off. In the United States, people tend to, they tend to reinvest in their home and get a second mortgage or a third mortgage. And they're so in debt that they're ability to spend money is considerably hindered by the amount of debt they have, credit card debt, household debt, mm. mortgage debt, and very little savings. In China, you have people who own their own homes, who don't own it in, in tandem with the bank. They literally own their own homes and they save like ha almost half of their money and still mm. can spend 55% of their income on consumer goods and go to the malls. The malls are full. Restaurants are have lines to get into them. Not all the time, but at lunchtimes, absolutely. At dinner time, absolutely. Yeah. So these businesses are pouring into China because Chinese people have a lot of money. I don't, what I don't even understand is when I go to those like high end malls and they're there are lines outside of luxurious brand stores. And I'm like, mm. who, who, I don't even know where that money comes from. <laughs> <for you." laughs> I'll spend my day standing in line waiting for my Chanel bag. <laughs> That's how things kind of work. You know what surprised me, and I guess I'm going to get a little personal with my own family here, is I came to China sure. 12 years ago, 11 years ago, and I was making mm. not that much, you know, but better than most people in China. You know, as an English teacher yeah. from America living here, I was making more than median income 
in China. And I wasn't saving very well because I wasn't trained to be a saver by the American economy. I was just spending all my money all the time. Mm. And then I finally went to meet my wife's parents. And they seem to have a lot of money. Like not in, they weren't spending, they have, they, they cook, they cooked at home (laughs) a lot, almost all the time. And, you know, they were very, they were super savers, but they were like the figures that I heard from my wife talking about my parents' economic situation was they own their own home outright. And they had, I don't want to say, but a lot of money. Mm. And I was confused because I made, I don't know, five or six or seven times more than them, you know, just me. Versus their family. I made that much more. And yet they had, I don't know, yeah. hundreds of times more money than. And I w- this turns out to be a Chinese <laughs> feature, a Chinese a feature of Chinese culture that even yeah. families that are not making a lot of money tend to save a lot of money. They're really good at, they're super savers globally. They're way above the global median for saving. China is like double the global median for saving. Most people in the world tend to save 10, 20 or 25% of their income. Chinese people save 40 to 45% of their income. So even people who don't make a lot of money get to spend a lot of money and they tend to have a lot of money. And that is because the fundamentals of the Chinese economy are very different. For example, let's take a different example. You go into the deep countryside, mm. there's no such thing as a mortgage. Everyone owns their property outright. Everyone owns their home outright. You go to a second or third tier city, same thing. Parents will help them buy it or they'll buy it or they'll get a five-year mortgage and it's paid off or whatever. You go to a first- Yeah, because it's really cheap. Right, yeah. You go to a first tier city, yeah, very few people will have mortgages, but most everyone will still own homes. I know a lady, I don't want to say her name. She's a nice person. She's married. She has a kid. They're really happy. She inherited properties from all four grandparents, and now she owns four homes in in China, in Beijing. Sorry, in Beijing, four super valuable homes, probably several million RMB each. Uh, She's essentially rich. She still goes to work 40 hours a week because she wants something to do. Her (laughs) husband, also a Beijinger, also inherited uh, homes from all of her grandparents and stuff. They own many homes. Now, they're trying to sell them because in the future, there may be more tax on owning additional real estate. This this is something interesting. In the United States, pretty much every state has real estate tax. They tax you for owning a home or owning a property. In China right now, there's almost no property tax at all. That It doesn't exist. But in Zhejiang, which is a pilot zone for uh, China's future economic policies. They're they're testing Mm. people who own second and third homes should have to pay taxes on those homes, not on their first home, but on their second or third home, because China wants to make sure that people are, everybody everybody has a home. And they want to make sure that if you are investing in real estate, that it's costly for you. So they want you to sell your second or third or fourth home so that other people can then buy those homes. So China's actually pushing the market to maintain the value at an affordable price, which is one of the things that's frustrating Western investors who bought stocks offshore in brands like Evergrande. They're like, oh no, Mm. but the real estate economy is crumbling. No, it's not. Not from a buyer's perspective, only from an investor who just bought, you know, a million new homes in China. Is it difficult for you because you just invested, you know, hundreds a hundred billion dollars in building all of these homes yeah but china's goal is to get homes to people not value to investors so that's one of the things that in in america 
the banks and the financiers tend to have a very strong influence over government. Yeah. Whereas in China, the government ha- tends to have a very strong influence over banks and finance, which is frustrating for Western investors because they're trying to exploit Chinese people <laughs> and the Chinese government is not allowing that to happen. Hey, this is all for kind of to educate the market and the buyers and the consumers and even the investors to make sure that there's not going to be a big so-called property market collapse like it does elsewhere. Mm. You know, if people mm, are really yeah. all coming in, right, if they're all coming in trying to to buy out property so that it can resell it, they can they can they can what's the word? They can flip it over and over mm-hmm. again mm-hmm. or on a large scale. And there have been some negative news that came out in the past couple of years that really caught the attention of the entire country and policies came out in response to that, in response to that. So it's really in the past couple of years that my mom talks about this as well, because we own properties in Beijing as well. And she talks about how it's going to be more expensive in the future for us to just own another one just because um, not saying we'll have all that money <laughs> at our hand to just buy it. But um, it will it will be there'll be more paperwork. There will be uh, it'll be a lot more pricier to own a second home. And basically the government's saying if you don't need a place to to really live, like invest your money to get a big place, to get a nice place that you can live in. And yeah. then it's not per household. It's it's I think it's per it's per generation or per person or whatever. Like I could have one, my parents could have one, you know. Um it's kinda of, it's not like, oh, you have to be a family to right. to stay together. Because when you really look at other countries, for example for example, Singapore. Mm-hmm. And people don't really know this outside of Singapore because Singapore has such a great international image. Mm-hmm. Like everybody knows everything great about Singapore. And I think it's a great country as well, but there's just information that we don't know. Um, until I talked to my friends who are from Singapore and they said housing price in Singapore is really, really high. That's why mm-hmm. I was wondering, I was like, oh, there always seems to be quite a few people at your house. It looks like really lively. She's like, yeah, because even after marriage, my husband and I and our baby live with our parents. Mm-hmm. Because most young people can't really afford to get a place on their own. Mm-hmm. Even renting is expensive. So what they do is they just, it's kind of a culture already that everybody just shares this one space until like really later on in their life where they can afford either like renting um, or, or purchasing an apartment on their own. Mm-hmm. So we don't know, really know about that. But in China, like Jason, you have lived here for many years. There's so many options in the city um, from like there's a wide price range for renting and there's a wide price range for purchasing as well. So if you really want, unless you're like Alex, unless you're like me, who's (laughs) like, I want this, this and that. I want 20 things for the place I live. That's why I can't decide on one place. Um, If you just need a place to... When that day happens, I'll definitely let you know. I'll let you be here for the celebration. We bought a space, which is a, a big box essentially in Wuhan. And then my wife, she filled it. So, you know, that we created a second floor and a floor plan and like mm. we filled it with in the shape that where my wife was elated because she designed the thing. Yeah. So that's very possible. When you buy a new apartment in Ch- in China, they tend to oh, – this is something interesting about the United States. If you're shopping for real estate in the United States, you tend to find an apartment that's already yeah. prefabricated for you except furniture. Here's the kitchen. Here's the – but in China, if most of the time – you show up and there's nothing there at all. It's just a big concrete shoebox <laughs> with like plugs in the wall and stuff. And then you go to a company or maybe you do every piece yourself. It, it's up to you. And you <laughs> fill it 
in the way that you want. You even add a second floor or stairs or whatever. Yeah. Where you, so a lot there's a lot more freedom to create your ideal home in China than than in America. There there tends to be unless you're building what they call a spec yeah. home in the United States, where you have a lot of money and you're just building a home from scratch and you're hiring hiring an architect and hiring a contractor and all that stuff. But that tends yeah. to be upper class now in the United States. Not the, the middle class doesn't really have access to that kind of same level of uh, floor planning. Basically, if you say, hey, we, we're selling you this place. And if it, if it turns out really ugly, it's not our fault. We got the structure down. There's an advantage. I got to say, there's an advantage to the US system because we also have this in China where there are apartments that are prefab for you. You go in and you see the model and you're like, oh, that's cool. I want one. Yeah. And then you'll just say, OK, it's this floor. Do you like it? OK, cool. And you move in and it's already ready for you. But in the United States, that tends to be what it is. Mm. When in um, real estate investors, they'll buy like, you know, a hundred or a thousand acres, then they'll make, they'll, they'll put three model homes up on this, uh, air in this area mm. and they'll have mm -hmm. all the streets and the light poles and everything set yeah. out. You show up and you walk into the three model homes and they're, each of them is, you know, different, unique and has its own kind of layout. And then you say, okay, I, this is for people buying new homes in the United States, not obviously used homes. And then they'll say, I like model B and they'll say, great, we have like, you know, 30 of those coming off the shelf in like the next year. Mm. Would you like to buy one that's going to be ready in June? And then you, you know, fill it with your own furniture. They, you also have another thing that happens in China, which I think is really interesting. And I don't think this happens as much in the United States where I know I was when we were shopping for homes, we, we looked at this. You show up in a, an apartment that is furnished and then they say, yeah, you can have this just like this, exactly like this, furnished in the exact same way. Yeah, the sample So that when you, yeah, when you move into the apartment, you're literally just taking your stuff like into a hotel room mm. because it's all, there's the bed, there's the the sheets and everything. It's all, you know, they have potted plants, whatever, the exact carpet. So for people who don't want to do anything, that's an option too. You can just make it not too personal, I would say. But, you know, I don't know if you've heard of this because a lot of our parents, they come from a generation where they didn't do too much to decorate their first home. So when they could purchase this home, the, their new home in their later, um, you know, in their 50s, they don't have always the best. <laughs> they have the best intention always, but they don't always have the best idea about decorating. <laughs> so there's so many running jokes on the Internet of how your place looks absolutely ridiculous. Uh, after I your parents Enlighten us, please. Enlighten us. That's Sounds fun. You know, like how our parents' generation here in China, they love like fringes. Yeah, sure. <laughs> they, love, they love fringes. Yes. They love flowers. Mm -hmm. So they put flowers all over your place. And then everything has to have a cover. Your couch needs a cover. Right. Your yeah. uh, TV needs a cover. <laughs> your table needs a cover. Your bed needs a cover. Everything needs a cover. And then this thing that I still don't understand, which is called a TV wall. And it's no different than any other wall in your place. But there has to be a giant kind of frame that's like taped to the wall to tell people this is where you put the TV. <laughs> but it just it just looks like a giant picture frame. That, and there's no there's a very tiny picture in the middle, which I don't understand. This whole idea of a simplistic European style, which is not European at all, kind of swept the whole country. And then everything has a little curve. <laughs> There's like a little, uh, you know, this like traditional European style bed mm -hmm, that's put mm -hmm. in an apartment. It's, it just feels odd. I feel like those kind of beds could only <laughs> exist in places with the roof. But this one's like, so there's all kinds of like, it's all come with good intentions and appreciate them decorating the house themselves and trying to live out their dreams. But it's kind of like, 
doesn't really fit the vibe. But again, that's what you get when you have when you can decide your own place. And that also gives rise to people who are very good at designing their own space. Mm-hmm. And their apartment goes on like architectural design magazines mm. here in China and because they, they have such good use of all the space while look making it look still bright and homey. Mm. And also making it almost making it look high tech without being high tech. It's making the whole like decorating your place that kind of market really fun for people to explore so when you get your place it's not just like oh my god i have to like floor the place i have to like like paint the wall and stuff it's actually pretty fun and there's services that help you realize whatever you want to do i wanted to talk about movies you know i have actually been watching a lot of movies lately all at my wife's decision so we request yeah we watched creation of the gods (laughs) no more bets which is a anti-gambling movie basically okay i don't gamble i swear (laughs) what some are trying to say jason uh never never say never it's about a guy who teaches kung fu to countryside kids okay and lost in the stars which is another (laughs) anti-gambling i feel like i feel like there's a running theme to all of this jason (laughs) i maybe that's just what's popular right now in chinese market my point is uh, this is a trend. A lot of people are going to the theater. And this is this was a concern in the last couple of years. Are Chinese moviegoers coming back? In 2021 mm. and 2022, there was a lot of lockdowns and stuff. And movie theaters were, you know, they were open, actually. I went and there was like me and like two other people or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But now they're, they're solid. Like it was like every seat is full. And yeah. the summer ticket sales, quote, exceeded 20 billion yuan. Beating the record of this is for uh, the summer, just from the summer months, record record of seventeen point seven billion yuan set in two thousand nineteen, which means mm. people are not just going back to the movies; they're setting new records and going back to cinema. And this is really good news for that entire industry here in China. Which means next year, it's probably going to even beat those records, and we're on an upward trend of people filling movie theaters. Again. Absolutely, the movie industry has really seen a a huge bounce back. I've never, I don't recall a time of my life where I'm hearing, where I'm hearing the box office of every major movie that comes out is all in the like hundred billions. I I don't remember. I don't recall a time like that. And it's just not just one movie. It's movies of different genres. Uh, Some of them more realistic. Some of them are fantasy. And then animation really, really, Mm. really became something that is more popular among Chinese audience. And and, you know, the thing my parents are now when they don't know what to do, when they're kind of like "Eh, having a chill afternoon, they're just like, you know what? We should go watch a movie. And that never happened until like very recently. I think it started maybe um, in 2018 when I took them to see just this comedy movie that they they didn't think of watching before. And then after that, they got more familiar, more comfortable with the idea of just going to the movie theater, mm-hmm. sitting in the dark and watch movies for two, three hours. Mm-hmm. So now the the whole group of people that are watching movies have become um, have changed from just being the young people to people from different ages, like older mm. people are doing that too. And, you know, it's going to be probably just only upward from well, here. You know, there are a lot of memes in the West that are really popular where a huge Lord of the Rings or Star Wars fan will bring over a close friend of theirs and they'll show them Lord of the Rings and then they're angry that the person is not over-enthused with watching it and maybe they're looking at their phones sometimes and whatever. My wife is the same way. So we'll, if we're at home, 
And we're trying to, I'm trying to show her a movie that I think is amazing and want to share this with her. She'll tend to just be like, oh, whatever, and looking at her phone and not really paying attention. But if we go to a movie theater, this is what I love movies. I love movies. I've seen tens of thousands of movies. That's not an exaggeration. I, I'm obsessed with watching movies. What I really like about going to see a movie with my wife and why it's a different experience is that big screen experience, the lights go down and everyone's watching. People are like shushing each other or whatever is amazing and wonderful because my wife will watch 100% of the movie with me. And then we can share each moment. And I feel that that connectivity with her and with other people who have seen that movie is a bond between me and her and a bond between me and other people who have shared that movie going experience. And so I I really love the movie because basically I have my wife's attention hostage. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure because I do that. I could sneak in a couple of like peeks at my phone, like trying to cover my phone, not let the light run out but I, I try to sneak in a couple of peeks but it's still a lot more attention that I give to mm-hmm. the movie than I'm watching at home um, I would also say that movie going the movie going experience is somewhat different we, we don't have a lot of time but I do want to talk about this as long as we're talking about consumption in China I think this is a really interesting point yeah in China because of the way that the box office works it's not the same as in the in the United States at least I'm not sure about other countries mm. where in the United States they're like I snuck in a candy bar and this is how I did it and their videos on like Instagram about how to sneak in food it's like what oh, God. are you I mean I forgot I used to actually work at a movie theater by the way and Daily City mm. south of San mm. Francisco right on the border with San Francisco they were called Century Theater. Yeah. I worked there for 2 years. They were really adamant to bust people trying to do this because they the company That's the, how they make money. Yeah, exactly. The movie theater made only money from concessions. All the ticket money went to Hollywood, went to all the producers and the and all that stuff yeah. or whoever intermediaries. So it's really important that if you want to buy a snack that you buy a snack there. In the but that's not the case here. We have concessions. They have popcorn they have that yucky popcorn and they're popular be, i don't know oh you don't and like they it. have the oh the can- candy corner oh whatever that is. i don't know what it is it's awful uh, they have real they have real popcorn too um. i don't want to say they don't have good but they have good popcorn that's normal that's buttery and kills you that's great <laughs> but uh they also have you know they have ice cream and they have sodas all that stuff and, and they have souvenirs and junk it's all cool yeah but if you walked in with a bag full of McDonald's, they won't stop. Exactly. You. I still get yeah. sometimes I still get because the same thing we've tried to even bring just water into the theater when I was in New York. And they're like, no, you can't do it. And so I still get nervous when I go to theater here. Sometimes I'm like, no, we shouldn't bring stuff or like, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like that deja vu feeling where you're yeah. like, oh, my God, they're going to confiscate my my candy. And then like when you go a little more often, you're like, oh, no, 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 I can I can just like carry a bag in there and they're not going to give me too much, like not too much. They're not going to give me any attention. Nothing. Yeah. Usually they're like, because this is true, there's usually like one of those not McDonald's, just dessert McDonald's nearby. So you can get like Mm. a fudge sundae or whatever, and then we'll go see a movie. And like the people at the movie theater, they don't care in China. They're like, yeah, whatever. I don't care. They don't even look. It's not important to them at all. They just, did you get a ticket? Okay. Terror. It's that way. Go. And so, so I really enjoy the movie going experience here because I can get I can bring whatever I want. Summer and I, we will usually go buy like a big slushy drink of some kind, like some mala or, oh, you know, what we're really addicted to the tea with lemon 
and sugar that is too much sugar and too much lemon. <laughs> I really am into that. As long as it doesn't have those uh, those bubbles inside, the like the little things that are yucky. Oh, you don't like? Oh, I see. I see. Oh, oh gosh, my God. no. Tea, too much lemon, sugar. It's a huge one. It is like frosty. Oh, my gosh. It's amazing. Then I'll go to the movie theater. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm in heaven. If I pass away and go to heaven, that's what it's going to be like. It's going to be like watching Dune 2 yeah. forever with a giant tea, lemon tea. No one is going to pass away and we're all going to watch Dune 2. But just, oh, just a quick, just a quick sorry, addition. Sorry. Just a quick addition. You know, like when Barbie, sure. when we went to watch Barbie with our friends, um, she was, of course, we like dressed up a little bit and she went full on Barbie and we, we went to the theater wow. together. And you know what she brought to the theater? She brought pink popcorn that she made herself. Wow. Very mm. bougie. Okay, we're, we're pretty much out of time here. The takeaway is people in China consuming businesses outside of China and in China, growing in China, making huge amounts of money, huge amounts of business to be made. Economy is flourishing. If you want to add to this conversation, we will likely read your comment on the air. Please email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. Even if you disagree with us, we'd love to hear your comments. Thank you for your time, listeners. Thank you for your time, Alex. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Jason.